I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL. I did. I truly laughed out loud. Now, this may be the dumbest thing in the whole world, but it worked on me. There's a dog chasing a train. He and Fido. Hey, Natalie, how old are you? I will pray with you now. Before you leave, I have to pray with you. I'm here for the people in the hood. You know, Jesus is my very, very best friend. Pray without ceasing, which is not some sort of so heavy I can't do it command. It is this breath of fresh air that I am involved in what God is doing in the earth today. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. Is that Twitter? <laughs> Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is this, this, this is, this is life. life. This is life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. So you are about to hear part four of Rebecca Carroll's story. And so if you haven't heard parts one, two, and three, please stop what you're doing and go back so that you can get the full picture of what God has done in her life. I had the opportunity to meet her. It was this really fluke ice storm in Dallas, Texas, and I was in Dallas, and I was at the radio station where she works, KCBI, and because of the ice storm, she wasn't leaving. So we had a chance to talk for a very long time, and I left that experience thinking, I really like Rebecca Carroll. I hope I can be her friend someday. Ooh, she loves God and his words so much. I want to be like her. And so I wanted you to get a chance to spend some time with her too, because she's the real deal. And we need more people who are the real deal in our lives. We need to see people who truly know God and hear their stories, because there are so many voices in this world. There's so many thoughts and opinions and and people who are so strong with their voices and thoughts and opinions. But you got to know that who you're listening to actually knows there's a God. And those who've experienced that and have a story to tell, those are the stories I want us to hear together. And so Rebecca's story, part four, picks up with where she is explaining to us why she could not ask God to forgive her after she was binge drinking all day at a Cowboys game and into the night. The next day, she felt like she just couldn't ask God to forgive her. You know, I mean, imagine, imagine someone just wounds you. They just hurt you so much. And they come to you and they say sorry, but everything on them screams that they're not sorry. You know, yes. I mean, it's if it's not a sincere apology, it it does nothing to to heal the hurt. Well, when we come to God. He knows our hearts. He knows the thoughts and motivations of our hearts. And he desires sincere repentance from us. And what repentance means, that's a big churchy word, Mm -hmm. what that means is to admit that what you've been doing is wrong. And it literally means to turn and go the other direction. And so it means, yes, I sinned. Yes, I'm going to stop. And the reason I couldn't talk to God about it and I couldn't ask him to forgive me was because, you know, he knows my heart. I knew that. And so that meant he knew I was going to do this again. And I knew I was going to binge drink again. I knew I was going to. Alcohol had too much on, of, of a hold on me. And so I spent 
a full 24 hours not being able to talk to my constant source of comfort. Mm -hmm. And so I woke up the next morning. So now we're on a Tuesday morning. And I'm driving into work. And out of habit, I just reach over and I turn on the radio. And it's set to a Christian radio station that had teaching during the overnight hours. And as I'm driving to work, the pastor who is teaching is talking about Christians who are deliberately living outside of the will of God. And he might have just been saying, might as well have just been saying, so let's talk about Rebecca Carroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I it's mean? Felt, yeah. 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 I've had those experiences with Christian radio. Oh my word. I've had those experiences where you think this cannot be what's on the radio right now. I've felt that before. Like how can this be so personal? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So think long and hard before you work at a Christian radio station. (laughs) You can't escape it. (laughs) True. (laughs) And so I, so I turn off the radio (laughs) because we'll just be having none of that. And I get into work and I'm miserable at work. I'm just miserable. And then I get back in my car and I'm driving home and out of habit, I turn on the radio and it's another pastor. I couldn't make this up if I tried. He is quoting Luke 21. It is Jesus speaking to the disciples saying, watch out. Don't let me catch you living in careless ease and drunkenness filled with the worries of this life. My goodness. And so I turned, I know, I know. I mean, he couldn't have been more clear. Yeah. And so I turned off the radio and I said, okay, God, okay. And he, it, it's hard to describe because it's not like when I say the Lord spoke to me, it's not like I have a voice in my ear speaking. It's, it's just pictures, it's impressions, it's quiet words to your soul. Yes. And, and he, he allowed me to see where I was going with my life. He allowed me to see what I was capable of in my heart. And he showed me that I was capable in my drunkenness of cheating on my husband, of driving with my children in the car, of losing my children, of destroying my family, destroying my career. Um, he showed me all of that and allowed me to feel what it would feel like. Oh, really? And then, hmm. oh, yeah. Like you could have killed oh, somebody. It, you could have murdered somebody drinking and driving. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he allowed me to feel the weight of that. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I, I mean, just no, just don't go there. If this is your struggle, oh, my goodness, don't just turn and run from it because I, I could not have continued to live under the guilt and the shame and and the just it was horrible but then in the very next second he it was like he took me and just kind of plumped plunked me down smack in the center of his will of his love of his light and he said you know quote unquote said i am not mad at you i knew you were going to do this i've been waiting for you I have so much I want to do with you and for you and through you, but I cannot use you like this. And then it was, it was like the words right out of Deuteronomy. I have laid before you today a choice. Oh, that you would choose life and live. And I knew that he was telling me that now was the moment to choose. And so I chose, I chose him. And what that looked oh, like. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, so me too. Glad you didn't harden your <laughs> heart. I'm glad you didn't harden your heart. You know? Me too. You know, because I could have. I could have. And so immediately, Lisa, what that looked like was calling everyone I knew and establishing um, a 
boundary of accountability, if that makes any sense, because addicts count on people not knowing. And so once everybody knew, once everybody knew what I was up to, then I couldn't get away with it anymore, or at least I would have to just blatantly in their face do it, you know? And so I called my mother, who had always suspected I had a drinking problem. I called my husband. I called my sisters. You know, I had really wronged them over the years um, through, you know, with my drinking and and just systematically called uh, everybody that was close to me and then even started calling my drinking buddy friends just to tell them that I can't do this anymore and I I, I, I can't play anymore. And, um, I, you know, it's it's funny that one step of obedience that one day it's not like everything got better all at once, but I will tell you, I stopped, for the most part, struggling with food. That took a little bit longer, but I, I did not have those overwhelming temptations anymore to binge and purge. Um, and the closeness that I felt with the Lord once that big boulder had been taken off my back was incredible. And then it all, it all kind of came together for me not too long ago when, um, through the radio station, a man reached out to me in desperation because his wife is an alcoholic. And he asked me if I would be willing to talk to her. And so a couple days ago, in fact, I sat across the table from a young woman and watched as tears streamed down her face. And Lisa as I opened up my closet door to share all of those skeletons in my closet, I found that I had no skeletons because what God has done in my life and what He can do in anybody's life is He can take the most shameful thing in our past and He can use it to set a heart free. And so now I don't have shame hanging in my closet. I have stories. I have stories of how God took a broken girl in her broken world and bandaged her up and set her free. And I have stories of how a mighty, mighty God, when I called upon him and said, I need you to be who you say you are. You said your grace is enough. You said your strength is made perfect in my weakness, and I'm going to drink if you don't show up. And he shows up. I mean, that's all that's left in my closet are stories of a mighty God who will take our shame and make it into a weapon of mass destruction pointed straight at the enemy's camp. And the reason I'm so grateful to you, Lisa, for allowing um, me to share my story, but even more than that, than, than giving other people this wonderful platform to talk about what God has done in their life is because when we hang on to our shame, when we hang on to our secrets and, and our mistakes and our addictions, those are weapons in the enemy's hand that he will use to destroy us, to debilitate us, to sideline us. But when we take those hurts and we put them into the hands of our Father, they are instruments of freedom. And I have been set free because other people have gone before me and said, God did it for me. He'll do it for you. And now what an honor, what an amazing thing that the Lord would entrust over two decades of alcoholism, that he would entrust 17 years of bulimia to me because he knew he would bring beauty out of it. I'm so hopeful that you are deeply encouraged 
at Rebecca's story, like I am deeply encouraged. I have people close to me who have addiction struggles and to think about how God is bigger and he redeems who it's just, it's just good to hear. And it gives you faith to believe when you get to hear the stories of other people. So Rebecca Carroll is not quite done yet. Listen tomorrow. She's going to share with you something that she shared with me. And quite honestly, I couldn't think about anything else for days. (laughs) It's, it's insight on a Bible verse, and it, it really blew my mind. And it is beautiful and amazing, and she's going she's gonna to share that with you tomorrow, and maybe it will be a key in your spiritual growth. I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking for keys all the time. I want to get closer to God. I want to know Him more. I want to understand His love. I want to understand His power more and more and more and more and more and more. And so I'm so thankful Rebecca Carroll is in our life sharing her story tomorrow, part five. Hope you can listen then. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's helping you hear this show while I'm actually out of town this week up in the Grand Teton Mountains uh, camping. On Monday's show, I'll fill you in on how the camping experience went. Uh, But in the meantime, big thanks to Devin and Melanie and to executive producer Paul Goldsmith for all your help. Hashtag thanks for listening.